it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. So far in 2022, I am down about 10 pounds. And one of the things that's helped me stay on course, eating the proper portions, high-quality ingredients, and healthy meals, but conveniently within my busy schedule, has been Factor. We've been talking about Factor here for a few months, and I am a believer. Um, their, their meals are delicious. Every week, I look forward to picking out the, the meals that I'm going to have delivered. I, I've been sharing some of them with my mom, um, who has a, a little bit different uh, preferences than I do, and there's a wide enough selection to satisfy my family and her. Factor makes it easy for me and my family to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves me time by delivering chef-crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention cleanup. There's no dishes to wash. This works perfectly. There's been a few times before Raw or SmackDown where I've been working all afternoon and I've got a real small window for dinner, and I'm so happy those Factor meals are in the fridge because I know in three minutes I'm sitting down and eating a restaurant delivery quality meal that feels like it was chef-crafted and chef-prepared. But you heat them up in two minutes, and you're sitting down and enjoying your meal within three minutes. It's faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. I'm big on eating whole food ingredients. I don't like processed food. I try to really limit uh, processed white flour and empty calories. And there's just not empty calories in these Factor meals, but they're full of flavor. A mix of vegetables, whole grains, and a ton of protein and good carbs. I find myself not wanting to add salt or sauce or anything to these meals. I add a little pepper uh, to some of them, but others are, are just the right amount of spice. And with more than 29 meal options each week, you're never going to be bored. There's a rotation of meals. I have what I think are my favorites with Factor, and then the next week there'll be a new meal, and I'll try that, and it gets added to my list of meals that I think Factor's done a great job on. They offer vegan and veggie meals, keto meals, low-calorie options, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein options, veggie sides, and more. And it's been keeping me fueled and focused all day long. I've been doing more exercising since the beginning of the year, and Factor gives me the energy to keep going. So head to go.factor75.com slash wade120 and use code wade120 to get $120 off, that's code WADE120. That's WADE120 at go.factor75.com slash WADE120. Again, that's go.factor75.com slash WADE120 for $120 off. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Get ahead of the postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Honor Speak, a podcast that's part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup of shows. I am your host, Chris Maitland, and with me, as always, the man, the myth, the McClelland, Justin McClelland. Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Chris. I just chugged a five-hour energy because I know we got a lot to talk about, and I didn't want to like peter out at the end, like I was trying to hold a man for a 60-second suplex and couldn't keep him going past the 45-second mark. So I feel like this podcast is going to be, and I'm ready for it. That's good. Uh, good motivation for you. I'm not drinking an, an energy drink. I'm drinking something else. But um, I should that's not wise. Out. That's not wise. When you get sleepy, maybe a little dazed. No, it's okay. This is like going to be. You've been held uh, upside down in a suplex for 60 seconds. <laughs> no, I'm not that dazed. I'll be okay. This has been. Uh, this will be definitely a great show for our listening audience. I, I do want to first point out that this show is being recorded on April 6th, 2022, the three-year anniversary of the Ring of Honor New Japan G1 Supercard held in Madison Square Garden. That dun, we, dun, talked dun. About, we talked about uh, in uh, early February, late January. Long look series. Um, who would have thought that day in Madison Square Garden that we would be talking about supercar of honor in this state but here we are or it would be the the last supercard until now thanks to you know terrible world events that's true that was the last supercard and this mm-hmm. is the uh we have another supercard of honor to talk about uh, ring of honor supercard of honor for 2022 it took place on april 1st in uh the suburbs of dallas texas the first show under the new ownership uh, of Tony Khan. We have a lot to say about the show. So instead of going over news, there isn't much news uh, outside of the show. We're going to head uh, right to it. So the first thing that I want to start off talking about is 
Dustin, you are a regular watcher of AEW programming. Am I correct? This is true. You even made me watch it tonight before the show so that we have a clear vision of the Supercard of Honor show. Yes, yeah, so we will get to that. We'll yeah. get to that uh, later. But uh, how much was the show discussed on AEW programs, specifically Dynamite, uh, Wednesday before Supercard of Honor? It received a few brief mentions. Um, I actually I know I've, I've already. It's already slipped my mind, frankly, I'm pretty sure it was brought up. I mean, it was definitely brought up when the FTR faced uh, Billy Gunn's children. I did not use their lewd nickname since we are an all-listener, all-ages podcast. Uh, I know that was match brought up. I don't think Wheeler Yuja's match was brought up. It might not even been announced yet. So on the show before... Wheeler Yuja's match wasn't announced until Thursday, was it? I don't think uh, that match may have been announced before. I think the TV can't match. Remember, that before. would have been the only other match brought up. Yeah, and then the, Jay Lethal wrestled John Moxley on that show, and that match was also not brought up. Uh, Jay Lethal, Lee Marks, not brought up. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, I, my, my my point is, I, I don't believe it was. <laughs> I okay. guess that's what I'm trying to get into. So already, it's not from heavily part, promoted is is your yes. point. Yes, not a heavily promoted show, and we'll get to what that means later. Uh, the first thing I want to mention on that as well was that the pre-show was announced uh, 45 minutes before the show started uh, via Tony Khan's Twitter account retweeted by the Ring of Honor Twitter account. And, um, you know, it's a pre-show. So obviously the pre-show isn't going to be the main focus of Supercard of Honor. Though it would be a way pre-shows to... Pre-shows are weird now. Do you know that, like, do I count? Like, I was trying to think, like, what was the real opening match of this show? You know, like to me, it was I mean, it's all one show because I sat and watched it in a four hour block. But it's it is but it still feels weird. You're like, oh, poor Joe Henry relegated to the pre-show. Yes, yeah, so we'll get to that. They were, I guess, the main event or the last match of the pre-show. Yeah. But again, you have a show. Um, again, the pre-show is supposedly supposed to get people into the arena, supposed to get. Maybe fans at home who are considering buying the pay-per-view, uh, an incentive to purchase it. But if it's announced 45 minutes before the pay-per-view, there may not be much knowledge there, especially announced only via social media. Uh, but the pre-show had four matches, and the first match was Blake Christian versus Cole Cabana, which was a pretty good opening match. Cole Cabana's first match in Ring of Honor since the end of 2019. You know who his last opponent was? In Ring of Honor, I mean. I believe it was Alex Shelley at Final Battle 2019. Yes. I did not see Final Battle 2019, and I will reference Ring of Honor 2019 a bit later. I'll have so many previews for everyone, giving them incentives to stay on. But uh, Colt Cabana won uh, in eight minutes and three seconds with the Chicago Skyline, a move that I don't recall him doing quite recently in in uh, anywhere, but a move that was his finisher when he first began in Ring of Honor. Blake Christian had recently appeared uh, on a few AEW darks. So, uh, And then he headed straight over to the multiverse of matches for Impact. He was in the opening match there. Blake Christian. Blake, Blake Christian, yes. He was in the uh, Ultimate X match uh, for Impact. He wrestled, He had a very long day uh, of matches. But um, he was not the winner on this in 
occasion. Colt Cabana wins in eight minutes and three seconds. So notable to me, this was much more of the, no pun intended, classic Colt Cabana that like he was very like comedy oriented, which is, I think, how Ring of, like, if you, if you had seen him last in Ring of Honor and not seen like any of the Dark Order stuff where he's still like fairly happy go lucky, like this was, like, this was pretty much a return to that form. Which is kind of interesting given there was a lot of like 2019 Ring of Honor callbacks, which we'll get to in, in a little bit. This, this, in a lot of ways, this kind of felt like a show that was like for people who quit watching when AEW was formed, which is possible the Booker was one of those people. Um, but Colt, that said, like Colt always has the ability to do like a comedy match that isn't. That is still like kind of serious, you know, like he's probably the best at it. I think like, you know, like he'll do funny stuff, but it's not like a man wasn't pinned with a giant mousetrap, for example. So uh, I thought I thought this was an enjoyable match. If you consider this the opener of the show, like it was a it was a good opener. Yeah, this definitely was a show for people who had not watched Ring of Honor recently. And maybe stopped watching in 2019, which has its positives and negatives. I do want to point out before we move on to the next match, uh, Colt Cabana has been in uh, AEW for two years. He's yet to win a singles match on AEW television, though he's your winner today in the opening match of Supercard of Honor. The next match was AQA, recent signing to AEW. Wrestling Miranda Alizé, who wrestled in the women's tournament, got to the final, which lost to Roxy, having what many feel the best match at uh, Death Before Dishonor, the September pay-per-view, did appear at final battle. And uh, AQA was your winner in seven minutes and 18 seconds with a shooting star press. So right at the, out the bat, Caprice Coleman suggested that this was a number one's contenders match which uh, was a ridiculous claim considering they were there was a match later in the show for the interim women's title, which I think by definition would be a number one contenders match. Um, this brought uh, a couple, speaking of Caprice, it was cool. I thought it was very nice and cool. They brought Caprice and Ian back to do the commentary so that it definitely still had the Ring of Honor feel to it. Uh, and they brought Paul Turner back to be the ref. You know, he's been a ref in AEW since that company's inception. Uh, he was back here. Uh, I did wish they had brought Todd Sinclair back as the other, like, key uh, Ring of Honor referee, and he was missed. So they also, like, the announcers, who I generally like, were really bad in this match because they talked about how Miranda Alizé had to have won three matches in that to get to the finals of the tournament. And then they said, well, AQA has a current three-match win streak. And then they started acting like both women were on a three-match win streak, which was not the original point at all. And definitely, at some point, they just lost the whole point of what they were talking about. Um, The thing I always remember about Miranda Alizé is that she appeared to stiff the heck out of Allison Kay at Final Battle 2021, the show we were at live. We were right like right near the corner where she hit her very hard. And now every time I watch her match, I see how stiff she is. And she was stiff in AQA like crazy here. 
uh, a couple like a running forearm and a nasty diving basement drop kick and then aka hit like um appeared to collapse Miranda's lung with a shooting star press not not as bad as another um flippy move that happened later in the show but she, it looked like she got a receipt in this was just an okay match honestly it was it was pretty sloppy disappointing for what I I like Miranda Alize and I did not think this was her best match I agree with you uh, on that. Uh, next, the foundation. Uh, this iteration is Jonathan Gresham, Josh Woods, and Rhett Titus come out and cut a promo about their tile defenses. No Tracy Williams. And uh, Jonathan Gresham is the Ring of Honor original world champion. Josh Woods is the pure title, is pure champion. Rhett Titus is the TV champion. This is them appearing together. Uh, they would not appear together at the remainder of the show, which was um, one thing that recent Ring of Honor had with the foundation was that they would always come out for each other's matches, at least at the beginning, to at least um, high five or at least give some kind of encouragement. Uh, they did wrestle the last three matches of the show, but um, there was no further acknowledgement of their connection whatsoever after this promo. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Also, uh, Gresham was looking fly as heck uh, with the button with a button-down dress shirt uh, unbuttoned like halfway down. Uh, he was very fly. And uh, Woods appeared to be dressed like a college professor in a tweed jacket and a t-shirt. This is your um, fashion update from yes. Card of Honor. On uh, social media, which again, a lot of this show is promoted on social media. Uh, Tully Blanchard, last seen in AEW being fired by FTR. Though no uh, FTR Tully Blanchard interaction on this show. They're in the same arena. Uh, sometimes said that, you have to let things go, Chris. Yeah, sometimes. If you, on, yeah. if you hold on to something, you know. Don't hold on to the bad feelings. I, I try not to in, in certain areas. And so I hope, I guess my point is I hope Tolly did that too. Like he's he, looking, he was looking for a fresh start and, you know, clearly set out to make one. So uh, he uh, announces that he's going to have uh, an, a, one, he's going to have a person he's managing that will appear on the main show to wrestle Ninja Mac. We'll get to who that was, but that he'll also have a tag team that will uh, be wrestling on the pre-show. So their opponents were the Shinobi Shadow Squad, which were Cheeseburger and Eli Isom. The Shinobi Shadow Squad have not appeared in Ring of Honor since uh, December 15th, 2019. And their last match was against the Soldiers of Savagery, better known as Moses and Khan. So there's some symmetry here because Tully Blanchard's team were called the Gates of Agony which were Khan and Toa Leona. So you have one person who was previously in Ring of Honor, one person who's, who's new. This is, pretty mu- this is pretty much a squash match. Gates of Agony were your winners. Uh, the last move was a Samoan spike on Eli Isom, and they are your winners in two minutes and 30 seconds. So, yeah, this was... I thought Tony... Tony, I thought, did a lot to bridge the gaps between like old ring of honor and new ring of honor. But this was definitely 
a place where there are a lot of gaps because like like you noted like it was Eli Isom and Cheeseburger not world famous CB just he was regular Cheeseburger again um like they would have been in 2019 they're back to just you know pre-show jobber squad um and so that was especially for Cheeseburger I I was a bummer cuz I like I liked the new like wild cowboy drip Cheeseburger or CB but much better um and like you know, I like so soldiers of savagery a lot. So now they're broken up. That's definitely a bummer. No, no mention of how Eli escaped his kidnapping by um, um, EC3 and Big Titan, or you know, got out of being uncontrolled. Your narrative. Uh, so um, yeah, all of those things kind of a downer. At one point, Tolly did muse uh, Cheeseburger, Cheeseburger in Paradise, showing that um, among his outside interests, he is a parrot head. So I like good for him. Not a fan of Jimmy Buffett myself. Uh, Khan did do the uh, fist in the air that SOS would do, as Shane Taylor Promotions would do, um, though they kind of cut away from that. Khan uh, was a member of Shane Taylor Promotions. And now, Khan, uh, we- Khan has appeared on Dark, correct? Khan has appeared on Dark, so you have a wrestler who uh, was on Dark, has, has not uh, won any matches on Dark. He just wrestled, I believe, last week against Frankie Kazarian. Uh, Toa Leona has Toa Leona had also appeared on Dark, and they're wrestling a tag team that hadn't teamed together uh, in the post-pandemic iteration of Ring of Honor and had different uh, gimmicks. So, um, Gates of Agony are your winners. Yes. The, the next match, the last match of the pre-show, was Joe Hendry versus Dalton Castle. First of all, very would like to point out that uh, I sing Joe Hendry's theme song with my oldest daughter. She loves it. She sings back. I've heard it. She does sing. You have heard her sing um, the theme song. Yes. And um, this match also was sort of a uh, an example of them not actually promoting or maybe not having knowledge of Ring of Honor because this was actually a match that was had been developing for quite some time. Uh, Hendry and Castle were a team pre-pandemic, and even at the beginning of the pandemic, before Ring of Honor ran shows, they would do videos together, uh, trying to you know maintain their uh, their team. That obviously kind of didn't move forward when Ring of Honor came back. They weren't bringing over the the foreign talent, but um, Hendry and Castle got into it at Final Battle. Hendry hit Castle with the uh, world, ti- world TV title belt in the four-way match. They had a week-by-week episode uh, where Hendry said he was going to come after Dawn Castle. So there are a lot of ways where symmetry, uh, it's a lot of ways where this match could have been promoted based on what um, had occurred before, but that wasn't the case. It was uh, just sort of a match kind of thrown together on the pre-show 45 minutes before uh, the card, the pre-show was supposed to start. Uh, Henry was in control for the begin- most of the match, uh, the beginning parts, until he inadvertently ran to the post. This allowed Castle to kind of make a comeback, and he won with the bangerang in nine minutes and 48 seconds. See, I guess I take a more optimistic look of this match. I was, you know, they announced Joe Henry was coming. This is the old owners, and that was the point where it felt like if they were going to do a show, it was going to be a much, like, much bigger break with the past than it's hard to say because there was 
like it, it sounded like they were going to just like wipe the slate clean like anything that used to happen was going to be gone and i know you could make that argument about a lot of the stuff that happened here but at the same time they announced joe hendry they never announced castle so i was like i don't know i don't think they're ever going to follow up with the feud so i was i was happy that they did this match and you know they did the the proper blow off so I was okay with that, even if it got announced like 45 minutes beforehand. Um, and Hendry's fate was definitely better than the other poor guy who got announced for the show, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, so I don't know. I thought this this was a good. This is definitely like a good match. This is what you what um, what I like uh, the the qual a good quality like Dalton Castle match. He had the chickens like. Uh, fan him and cool him down and then they took a lap and then Dalton actually used the lap to jump in and take Henry down which I thought was playing off of the final battle match where they just ran and ran around the ring and nothing came of it and just distracted everybody from the match happening in the ring um Dalton did a sweet like running knee lift when Henry was draped over the top turnbuckle um Overall, it, I was surprised Henry lost, but, you know, we don't know where the booking is going forward if one or both of these guys are coming back. So probably the thought was just to put the face over at the end. And so, you know, this could be it for Dalton Castle and Ring of Honor. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. And that's kind of a lot that you know, we kind of will say at a lot of these matches that we don't know what the future will be uh again i will say that they i assume that they knew i mean they had announced joe hendry being on the show they kept his name in information on the show they didn't bring Dalton castle to dallas an hour before the show so they i think they knew he was coming i'm sure they flew him out there prior or knew he was going to yeah. be in dallas so they could have announced it and again it's it's this show and i still preface before we go any further um that i didn't enjoy the show as a standalone show, a lot of WrestleMania shows are standalone shows for the future of ring of honor. I did not like it as much as someone who liked ring of honor as a show enough to end up writing reports for the torch and doing a podcast on it. I have a lot of concerns. We'll get to those as we go on. This is an example of that for me, because if you were going to placate the ring of honor fan who kept rest of these things you would make those efforts to at least play in the fact that they had um some sort of history prior i know the commentators did uh ian rickabani and caprice coleman but that didn't happen um so because there wasn't really what what they wanted to do uh the next uh right before the main show we've, we've cut some of the promos but i really have to get to this one so it was announced that chavo guerrero uh, would be accompanying Bandito to the main event in the main event against Jonathan Gresham for the uh, undisputed Ring of Honor World Title. And there's a promo in the back where Bandito tells Chavo he doesn't want any cheating. And my whole thing when watching this is that why is Chavo Guerrero with Bandito? And if Bandito doesn't want Chavo Guerrero with him, why can't he just refuse him coming to the ring? Well, he said he wanted him to make sure everything was down the middle. Like he was worried he was going to get uh, messed with because he felt um, 
he felt stabbed in the back that they essentially, you know, started talking about Gresham as the world champ when Gresham never beat him. So that was his reasoning. But he was like, I still want it called right down the middle. And Chavo kept saying, well, I'll I'll play it straight, but I'll do whatever it takes to help you win, which um, seemed like a contradiction. Um, I have a lot more to say about this, but we'll wait till we get to the match. Okay, so we'll we I have a lot to say about it as well. I I thought this was a bit nonsensical, but um we it was a major part of the main event, so we'll we'll hold off on that uh further analysis on that till when we get there, and we'll get to the main show. Uh, the second match announced for the show, complete match because the Briscoes were announced without an opponent, was Alex Zane versus Sir Strickland. Alex Zane wrestled a handful of matches in Ring of Honor in 2021. Uh, Sir Strickland. R- Recently signed with uh, AEW, so he wrestled here. Uh, this was a good uh, opening match, a lot of moves. Um, kind of one, one of the things that I was not a fan of was the Poison Rana on the outside that led to uh, a two-count. And I understand this is this is going to be like a an indie spot show match, but I really wish that a move like that was not uses not even a transition move but as a move that doesn't uh take out your opponent that was just to me was was not not very good um but otherwise it was a good match it was a lot of uh a lot of insane moves uh swerve won with the jml driver in 11 minutes and 40 seconds i really like this match i this is definitely the best my favorite yeah this is the best alex zane match i've ever seen I will say he uh, they didn't do. I don't get a lot of the Alex Zane jokes about uh, sleeping in the Taco Bell parking lot or whatever from GCW. Um, and they didn't do any of that here. And I feel like an old man, but I'm like, that made it a hundred times better already. Um, ROH, I know that they kept the ROH tradition of using public domain generic rock songs whenever possible, which they did here for Alex Zane's entrance. Uh, Swerve got to use his own song, which makes sense since like it's literally his song. He recorded parts of it. Um, I like you said, it was a very like moves intensive match. There was this is the second week in a row I've seen a drop down work. It happened on that Beyond show, and that match was like with a large or with Oh, that was with the Amish guy. The drop down worked, and then here, um, Zane got tripped up Strickland on it. So I was, I was impressed. I hope, I think it's a new trend in wrestling. You've heard it here first. Uh, I thought they did some good, like head games at start. Like Zane was being like very arrogant, but Swerve would like uh, catch him and 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 counter, you know, counter stuff. So that was really good. I mean, the Poison Rana, like you said, it was very extreme, but it popped the crowd and it was it was like a really it was really cool. It was crazy. Like, I can't fathom taking that move, but uh, it was pretty awesome to see. So I'm pretty sure like Swerve didn't realize he had a 20 count um, because he like jumped in the ring right at 10. You know, like if you thought you were. If you thought it was the 10 count, you were trying to play it up for drama. And he wasn't the only guy on the show to do this, which, you know, makes sense. Like Ring of Honor is one of the only places that that does the full 20. I think, you know, New Japan, of course. Uh, But if you don't wrestle in those places very often, I could see it being easy to forget. Um, 
Dane did like this cool like half crab. It was like it was like a half crab, half sharpshooter because the way he was twisting the leg that looked really painful. And the JML driver, which I don't know if I've seen before, was really cool. It's it's really awesome. It's like a glam slam, but you like roll the guy forward onto his neck. Looks painful as heck. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought this was a really good match. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now you can subscribe to our VIP podcast lineup within the Apple Podcast app using your Apple account. That's new as of March 2022. Just search PW Torch in your Apple Podcast app and you'll see the PW Torch Daily Cast logo show up. That's our free show that's been around forever. And also the PW Torch VIP Podcast logo. There is a free show every week. So subscribe even if you don't plan to go VIP and get a sample of our VIP tier programming. But if you click subscribe, then you'll become a VIP member instantly with a three-day free trial, after which your Apple account will be charged. So you don't need to take out your credit card, debit card, or go anywhere else. If you listen to our free shows, on Apple Podcasts, you are five seconds away from being a VIP member with a three-day free trial. So we invite you to check it out. That includes dozens of VIP shows throughout the week, including VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows and podcasts and daily casts. All those episodes are presented to VIP members with ads and plugs removed, along with VIP exclusives like our post-pay-per-view roundtables, the Wade Keller Hotline, The Fix with Todd and Wade, everything with Rich and Wade, and many other VIP exclusive shows just search PW Torch within the Apple Podcasts app. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, um, Ring of Honor, under previous management, were having Facebook Lives. And to be honest, they did concern me about the future of the company. They were not high on details. But they did take suggestions from fans to discuss who they would like to see in Ring of Honor. And the first wrestler who was announced that was a fan favorite that would be on Supercar of Honor was Ninja Mac, who wrestles uh, in GCW. He actually appeared on Bloodsport, this WrestleMania weekend. And um, his match was not announced for several uh, weeks. He even did an interview somewhere where he said he hadn't spoken to Tony Khan. That interview came out a few days before Supercar of Honor. And it turns out it was decided that he would be wrestling against a uh, wrestler that was that was the new wrestler of Tully Blanchard Enterprises. And that wrestler ended up being Brian Cage. Uh, Brian Cage is uh, last appeared on AEW in AEW on October 6th, had not wrestled there since. And uh, he appears here in Ring of Honor. He pretty much destroys Ninja Mac. Uh, Ring of Honor fan favorite, or at least uh, Facebook group fan favorite. And he wins with the Drills Claw. Brian Cage does in two minutes and 46 seconds. So, okay, first off, I kind of question the legitimacy of that you know, Facebook chat because I think it seemed like every indie wrestler of any note was named during those chats. So... Anyone could have been named and then announced for the show. But that said, like Ninja Mac was announced. He was one of the first guys announced. Like if you were a Ninja Mac fan, there's a possibility you bought the show because you were like, this is a big break for my guy Ninja Mac. And then he's like, he didn't just lose. He was utterly destroyed. Uh, but, you know, got to do a couple flips and that was about it. So this is a terrible decision, in my opinion. Like I definitely... Like, if you had flipped him and uh, Blake Christian and had Ninja Mac against Colt Cabana, and I'm not even saying Ninja Mac wins, but just puts up a good showing, like, it would have been a thousand times better. And then Blake Christian announced the day of the show, so not driving bys, probably. No, he's not driving bys. So it's like, hey, he gets squashed. Also, I don't, like, on indie shows, like, squashes aren't really cool, but... I would be more forgiving than like one of the guys that had been heavily advertised, you know, even I don't care. It was under the old regime. I just thought this was an act of of bad faith period. And, you know, Brian Cage uh, politically is kind of dicey situation, but um, if he wants to use him, that's okay. I guess like he does have cool moves. Um, but yeah, it was basically a squash. Not a fan. Uh, the only good part was definitely Caprice getting in a Ninja Please reference. And I think if we'd got more time, Ian would have gotten in a Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go reference. But it, alas, it was not to be. So this match to me was uh, definitely a f- uh, telling sale of what this new ring of honor will be, which basically, you know, I mean, I understand who, who bought the company and, and the reality of it, but it's definitely a ring of honor that is going to be kind of a, a rehab center for certain AEW talents. Uh, 
Uh, when Brian Cage went to AEW, he immediately won. Was it the casino ladder match, I believe? I don't remember. It was one of those like battle one royal deals. And, and very at the beginning of his tenure, uh, probably the first few months, actually ended up getting a world title match against then AEW champion John Moxley at Fight of the Fallen. And then was also given the FTW title, which uh, some question its legitimacy, but we'll hold off on that. So he went into AEW with a pretty big push and then ended up kind of going down on the card to a point that there were rumors that he was going to leave. His wife complained about his push. And again, he hadn't appeared on AEW programming since October 6th. A real Baker Mayfield situation, if you think about it. And that being said, here here he is, someone who hasn't appeared on AEW television. But here's another opportunity in Ring of Honor that he's never been in. And he comes in and he, you know, beats someone. Again, Ninja Mac obviously is not someone that the new regime has a lot of time for or care for. So I get why. Also, Blake Christian couldn't wrestle in this match because he had to, he appeared on the impact multitude of matches because certain wrestlers who wrestled the multitude of matches could appear on the show. Uh, others didn't. And we'll get to why they didn't later. But to me, this was kind of a, a bad sign for me in the fact that you know, here's someone who, and I like Brian Cage. You said well, he does. Blake Christian's could, I mean, Blake he, Christian did wrestle on both. So they could have, they could have rearranged the order so that, you know, you know, Brian Cage squashes Blake in the pre-show, and then Blake is on his way to the Impact show. Well, I mean, but that's not going to happen because part of it is Brian Cage being the big surprise on the pay-per-view. I mean, because, I guess, but because, like because it's important for this incarnation of Ring of Honor to rehab whatever damage that Brian Cage had in his most recent stint in AEW. That's that's why he's doing this. The other thing, I mean, when you so when you jump to a new promotion, your slate is, you know, is wiped clean to an extent. Like, you know, if you show up, you're pretty well guaranteed to get a big pop. And if they treat you well, you know, like all the past stuff is usually forgotten. And I know it's like Ring of Honor. We're not we are definitely not sure, like how separate from AEW it's going to be but I do think that was kind of that that like weird rule was in play here with him like he's sort of a new man yeah I mean I I get what you're saying but for me it's kind of the like this new ring of honor could sign anyone right they could do anything and it's like and again it's nothing against Brian Cage I like Brian Cage but it's like how you know? How can Ring of Honor help solve this problem we have in AEW? That's what this is to me. We have a guy we have under contract. It's not working out for whatever reason. I don't know. Here's another opportunity to use him, but it tells you that that is going to be a lot of what's going to be what Ring of Honor is going to be in the future. Um, but. We will uh, move on to the next match, probably, in, in some ways tied into those thoughts for me. Um, even though I enjoyed this match pretty much, there was a preview of Jay Lethal versus Lee Moriarty. This match was supposed to happen at uh, Terminus 1, but did not. Now here is in 
Ring of Honor. Lee Moriarty. Yeah, that was funny to me. Like they they brought up the Death Before Dishonor stuff quite a bit. Like Lethal's Lethal speech to Moriarty at Death Before Dishonor, but they never mentioned that this match was originally booked for Terminus. Yeah. Um, again, and they didn't. They never mentioned Lethal being in the Foundation at this point, which I guess no. paid off later. But yeah, they didn't. They didn't mention that though. Again, that may have helped to connect it to what happened later. And again, they, they show that they, they can use past um, uh, things that happened in the past when necessary, when they want to. But they um, did uh, bring up his never before mentioned best friend, Sanjay Dutt quite a bit. Right. Sanjay Dutt, who I believe has not appeared on AEW television. Has he ever appeared in ring of honor is my question. I don't think he has either, and if he has, it was a long time ago. He's known from with Jay Lethal from their days in Impact. Um, anyway, um, the story of this match is really good. The story of this match is Jay Lethal, the franchise of Ring of Honor, is showing uh, promising youngster Lee Moriarty what he can do, and but Moriarty has studied him. He blocks a lot of his moves. It leads to continued frustration from Jay Lethal, and uh, as moves get more moves get thwarted, the the more uh, frustrated he gets. Basically, uh, there was a very elongated, uh, something got thrown outside or, or the referee got distracted. He had to move the, the ring apron. This allowed uh, Jay Lethal to low blow Moriarty, hit the lethal injection to 1451. Everyone was booing, uh, but Jay Lethal is your winner. Uh, he pins Lee Mor- Moriarty in 14 minutes and 51 seconds. Yeah, this was another fantastic match, in my opinion. This is like the a great story match because you you had the idea like Moriarty had been studying Lethal. He'd watched like 200 Lethal matches, according to the commentators. Like Lethal very early tried the uh, Lethal injection and Lee like countered it with the schoolboy for two. Um and lethal, you could see early lethal was frustrated and started throwing elbows. And Caprice is like, ah, oh, he's playing with the chin too early for me. So I, I, I don't know. I really like that that line. And you know, it just seems like it. See, yeah, the story was perfect. I thought they played it out well. This was another time like Moriarty jumped in at like nine and a half. I when he you know seemed to forget that there was a twenty count. Um, and like there was good, like there was a lot of like foreshadowing by Lethal. Like he did his, you know, three dives, but he did um, he he did them real slowly to kind of like build arrogance and was trying to conduct like a one more time chant. Um, and so like it all worked perfect. Like the the place just came unglued in booing when Lethal cheated. So that was like you know the sign. This really worked well. Uh, I thought. I thought Moriarty was going to w- win, uh, playing off of like Lethal's like frustrated losing streak, but I thought this way worked better. You know, the cheating and cheating to win it was it was a it was a it was a really well executed heel turn. So this this was great. Yeah, I thought the purpose of this match was for Lee Moriarty to win, and that would lead to Lethal's heel turn. Uh, Lee Moriarty is someone that I actually did a deep dive with Rich Fan, I guess, in 2020 on. That's how I first knew about him, and Rich suggested I uh, watch him. And he he was trained. Uh, he's from Pittsburgh. Was trained by some of the 
wrestlers that we used to watch back in the day, the Pittsburgh Indies when we were in college. But I always see Lee Moriarty wrestle on TV and in this uh, match here, and he always does a really good job. He's someone I think is really promised, has a promising future, but he doesn't win. And at some point, you need to win these matches. Uh, you know, this also is a feud or an angle that basically was set up on AEW television. So you need to be aware of AEW to understand why Jay Lethal is suddenly being becoming frustrated. Well, I mean, to, fact, be, to be fair, there's very little like there was no Ring of Honor television to set it up. No, no, I no, I get it. I get it. But it's also, again, what is. I mean, there is Ring of Honor television, which is weird. Like, what was Sinclair doing? You know, like, what is that TV show now? They're airing uh, old episodes or or old matches from the early 2000s. So, no, there is no Ring of Honor TV. But the the purpose of this match is is may not be for Ring of Honor. And I I don't want to spoil the end (laughs) because we can get to Jay Lethal makes more uh, appearances on the show. But And and that's another issue, like going forward which we'll we'll talk about after the show yes need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts well come join me alan forel over in the pro rest paradise at peter torch vip as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world be it the u.s japan europe or mexico There's always a place for wrestling's past in the Paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows where our guests will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise! So after this match, uh, Matt Seidel, who's on crutches and accompanied Lee Moriarty, argues with Lethal. Lethal attacks him. Sanjay Dutt, who just happened to be sitting in the crowd uh, with Gary Jester, comes and in. And Lethal's best friend, don't forget. Yes, even though they've never had any interaction together in any company other than Impact, um, they're able to get Lethal to leave, and so he goes to the back. As I said, a very good match. Uh, not good for Lee Moriarty's future, but um, a good match nonetheless. I'm also I'm not a student of Impact, so I don't know like if they teamed up much. I mean they were both in the X division for a time, but I remember Lethal teaming more with like the the Motor City Machine Guns in TNA, which is the you know the famous walks like a duck quack 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 interview. Yeah, he he teamed with Sanja. They also feuded over um, Soul Calval. Again, this is but then this is like. You're talking about 10, 12 years ago. This is a long, right. more than 10 years ago. And in another company that's not even affiliated with this one that's doing the show. So yeah. it's kind of one of the things that's probably a whole different subject is what sometimes wrestling companies expect people to remember and what they don't. What is relevant from 15 years ago and what isn't. That's a good deep uh, dive, Rich Van, if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, the next match 
they have a preview for the interim Ring of Honor World Women's World Champion. They said, let's take a look at what brought us to this match. And you know what brought us to this match? A tweet. Yes. <laughs> what was it? Um, Deanna Perrazzo. And Deanna Perrazzo was unavailable. Right. As we mentioned before, Deanna Perrazzo is uh, wrestled on the uh, Impact's Multiverse of Matches, as did Blake Christian, as did the Briscoes. So... Why why was she not on this show? I do not know. But either way, um, Willow Nightingale, a favorite of the podcast and who appeared at Final Battle and has appeared on AEW Dark several times, wrestled uh, Mercedes Martinez, who has been in uh, AEW for a few months, actually wrestled a few matches in Impact after she left uh, WWE. Uh, this match did not uh, click. Uh, there was a moonsault that was a bit rough. I'll leave that to you to discuss. But um, Mer- Mercedes Martinez ends up putting Willow in the Brass City Sleeper, and Willow submitted at 12 minutes and 39 seconds. Mercedes Martinez is your interim Ring of Honor Women's Champion. Yeah, this is going to be rough to talk about because obviously I love Willow. You love Willow. This was a bad match. They just they did not click. They could not they could not get on the same page. I don't know what happened, but it it was rough going. Um, before the match, Ian noted that Willow was his wife Sarah Riccoboni's favorite wrestler, which showed she doesn't make all bad decisions. Uh, that was a cute little thing to say. Um, and it, I don't know, like the crowd was pretty dead. Um, and they just, like I said, they just couldn't click. Like, Mercedes did, like, a mount, and she did, she was throwing punches out of, like, the infamous um, Dark, or, yeah, Dark Order angle from a few years back. Um, that's a very obscure reference. But uh, they, they just these horrible punches. Um, and I don't know. Uh, Mercedes did a couple cool things. Like, she did a nice air raid cr- uh, crash but they also they just look tired like both of them seem to get blown up um like willow was selling just by like flailing her arms around um like she she did a cool pounce but then like tried to cover with you know like the that fold over cover and couldn't and like botched it really bad um and then the the dreaded moonsault uh willow goes up hits a moonsault like just like looks like her knees land right into Mercedes collarbone or sternum like Mercedes cries out loudly like not a cell cry out like like a real like in pain shriek and I was like I thought they should I thought they were going to end the match right there Mercedes I haven't heard an injury report she like toughed it out but they went right to the finish after that which actually, I mean, it looked pretty painful because she got her in like that. What was the hole called? The brass knuckle block. The brass city sleeper. Brass city sleeper, yes. Which is almost like a dragon sleeper. So, I mean, she was able to maneuver her arms and her, you know, but afterwards she's holding her ribs. So she looked, she looked uh, worse for the wear. So I, I felt bad for her. Um, but I don't think they shaved a lot. Off. I mean, the match was getting close to 15 minutes anyway. I couldn't imagine they were far away from the finish at that point. But uh, nevertheless, you know, Mercedes got the win. 
the whole interim title thing, also, do you want to talk about that? So Ring of Honor put up on their website and uh, our social media, and we won't, you know, we'll get over who the current champions are as we go over those matches. They're champions, and for the women's title, they had a photo of Mercedes Martinez, who is the interim champion, not the uh, actual champion. So I don't know if this means that they're just going to pretend Diana Perrazzo doesn't have the title, if they're going to have a match. Again, they wrestled on Impact in November, I believe. Um, the whole situation is weird. I, I'm not a fan of interim titles. I would have preferred that they had this match be a number one contender. And I think that, again, for re- people who have been following the Ring of Honor women's division, which was a real highlight for the for the company in 2021, and are aware of, you know, the women that were wrestling, Roxy winning and Roxy losing it to uh, Mercedes, uh, Roxy losing it to uh, Diana Perrazzo. This is sort of, again, another kind of slap in the face or another sort of like, let's pretend that you didn't see what you saw. Because it, it, to me, it's kind of ridiculous to pretend that uh, Diana Perrazzo is not the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the interim title either. I mean, there are always exceptions, like case where you have to do it because, you know, you, you had a match booked and somebody got hurt or, you know, something like that. But, the, you know, there's no there was no announced women's title match. Diana, as far as I know, will be available to do a defense at some, you know, some point down the road, even if it wasn't tonight. And like, there's not, there's no immediate pressing concern to have to have this interim women's champion. I don't see why you couldn't have just called this the number one contenders match and, you know, have Mercedes as the winner fight Diana somewhere down, down the road. Yeah. So. Not a fan of that. Do also like to point out that uh, in her time in AEW, Martina Mercedes Martinez has two singles victories in AEW and no televised victories. The ne- the next match on the show, the match that was probably the true main event, the match that's probably responsible for tickets being sold at a higher rate as well as most pay per view buys, a match that has been promoted for uh, four months primarily on social media. The Ring of Honor tag team title match between the Briscoes, Mark and Jay Briscoe, and FTR, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler. There was a promo video shown for uh, this match, and uh, this match was—you've probably heard about this match. You know, we try not to go move for move a lot of these matches because I know a lot of you've seen them and. No need to belabor the point, but everything you've heard about this match, if you haven't seen it, it's true. It was a phenomenal, it was a phenomenal wrestling match. A lot of emotion. One of the things I liked about the match is that it had both, um, you know, wrestling at the beginning, and then it also had high spots in the end. It had one of my my favorite moments ever by referee when uh, Dax Harwood threw a chair into the ring and referee Paul Turner caught it out of midair. It was it was better than any beer Steve Austin has ever caught in midair. That was absolutely hilarious. Yes. Um, there was a, a time where, um, which again, in a comparison to the opening match where some of the moves were not, you know, sold, there was this time where Jay uh, Briscoe suplexed Dax Harwood to the outside, and they actually 
delayed the match uh, with the doctors checking in on them to see if they could continue. So at least they made an attempt to sell the effects of the uh, of that move. They even had the Briscoes hit the big rig on uh, FTR, though that did not uh, set up. That was not the finish. The uh, actual finish was FTR doing the real deal. Uh, FTR hit the big rig on Mark Briscoe to become the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions in 27 minutes and 23 seconds. A phenomenal wrestling match and definitely one you should go out of your way to see. And and then some people said was the uh, best match of WrestleMania weekend. Justin, what were your thoughts on this match? I mean, yes, I can't agree more or lavish enough praise on this match. It was it was fantastic. The atmosphere was just electric. Uh, I thought it, it told a great story, too. Like it started and neither guy, you know, neither team wanted to punch each other. They were just because they didn't want to, like, you know, break. It was if you threw a punch, it was like you were weak, you were soft. And so, like, they were trying to really out wrestle each other. Um, and it's just like there's a real intensity here that, like, is very hard to find in a wrestling match, you know, like. I like, you know, I've seen great matches that aren't are nowhere near this intense. It's just something that it's sort of lightning in the bottle. It's very hard, hard to capture. Um, but I, they did it here. Like you said, like the, the Paul Turner caught the chair. Definitely like the the moment of the weekend was Ris- Briscoe's doing the big rig like to an insane pop. Um, I love I love when like in big matches when a team or a wrestler does that other wrestlers like signature move. I, I think it's a, it's a great thing to do. Not all the time, obviously, but like in, in like important matches like this. And I think, I don't think it's done quite enough. Um, and like, you know, we had this insane chop battle that finally led to Harwood cracking and punching Mark and like to big booze because the crowd had caught on, you know, a couple of the guys bleeding. Jay was all bloody because he got, catapulted into a table which looked painful the super that superplex spot over the top rope a suplex spot over uh looked really painful too um so yeah i i think uh, what can i say like the end was great um basically the briscoes went for the doomsday device but the uh ftr was able to maneuver it in such a way that um Mark hit Jay coming down, and then you know Mark got fell victim to the big rig, and FTR won the match, which I mean was a bummer as like a longtime Briscoe slash Ring of Honor fan, and uh, it was sort of the start of the bummer, I guess, because we we'll, we didn't talk about the angle yet, but uh, we'll move to that now. And this is this for me was sort of the turning point of the show. Well, I do want to say, uh, kind of piggybacking off what you said, is that um, one of the reasons why this match was so good is that there is intensity into it because you feel that these teams actually want to fight. And I think sometimes that gets lost in wrestling for people just having a match to do moves. Is that there's these guys are actually um, wanting to fight and then obviously they'll get to do moves because they did do some spectacular moves later and the later in the match but the first thought was getting into a fight and that was really uh good to see and i had hoped that this would match would happen we'd see this match again 
But um, what happened at the end pretty much said that's probably not going to happen again. Yeah, I will uh, say this was definitely this was either my first or second favorite match of the weekend. I vacillate on 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 where it ranks, but you know it's very close, a very close second at worst. And we'll be we'll be talking about that other match in our VIP portion. PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust. And now it's back, shinier, brighter. It smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel. And you can check out daily news updates, the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches. And I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash PWTorch. And be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos. So the Briscoes, so FDR wins. Um, they shake hands. Do want to point out that for some reason I didn't realize this until about a day or so after the tag belts that FT that the FTR won were not the tag belts that the Briscoe have the Briscoes have carried as Ring of Honor champion and, and Ring of Honor tag team champions and the belts that have been worn by the Ring of Honor tag team champions recently they were the old belts with the old logo. I don't know why that was the case or why that was the belt being used, but um, oh, just want I did to forget to mention that. FTR's trunks had the they were they said FTR, but they were they had the old Ring of Honor font style, which I thought was a cool touch. And maybe that's why they had the they changed the belts, but it was very odd to see them have different uh, tag team belts. Uh, yeah. the, the team shake hands, which pretty much tells you that they're not going to be shooting again. And then FTR even bows down to the Briscoes. I didn't like that. That seemed like I did not like that. It was like excessive. Like these are teams who hated each other. And like I get, you know, shake hands out of respect. But the bow down made it feel like the Briscoes were old and this was their end. Well, you know, in a lot of ways, that may be the case. I did feel that was definitely something that was was shown that they were kind of towards the end and and th- that kind of played into it. but them doing that has people thinking that you know, the briscoes are, are doing they're going to do a tribute you know people are applauding them they're kind of waving to the crowd and uh they are attacked by the young bucks um, who super kicked them uh ftr comes back and makes a save and challenges the young bucks to a match tonight which is a very big baby face move but not really intelligent after wrestling for almost half an hour mm-hmm. the young bucks said if you want to see them wrestle you have to turn to tbs to see them wrestle ftr on wednesday and the reason why we are recording late on wednesday is because we want to make sure we recorded after that match we will talk about that in a moment but justin uh, you already indicated you were not uh, you may have been less of a fan of this segment than i was and i obviously clearly was not a big fan of it at all no, I uh, I wasn't for like I said like I guess the bow, something about the bow down signal to me it was like this is the real like last Ring of Honor show you know like we thought Final Battle 2021 was but it's like this is like the real things are transitioning things are changing now which is you know life is all about change but it's it was kind of a bummer to me and I think. The setup of an angle 
like you know you don't you may not like Brian Cage or like Ninja Mac getting squashed or you know some of the other things but they were all felt like this could be on a you know setting the groundwork for a future Ring of Honor if you like the Ring of Honor or not different story but it's like setting the setting the stage for that Ring of Honor but this was you know very explicitly about setting up Dynamite and AEW and um there's more of that to come so I don't want to be naive about this either you know it's like they're owned by the same parent company wrestling is always about building towards the future setting up the next thing and that's what they did here and in that sense it was a good angle to do that and obviously there's a big I mean there's a big push for FTR underway right now and this was you know step two in that i guess you would say um the whole the whole match and and the angle afterwards it cemented their face turn definitely um so that's good but it's also like it's just it's just sad to me you know it's like this is probably the end of like ring of honor as we knew it yeah, I mean, that's sort of it. They had a match. This was a, a match that was a classic. Even if it wasn't a classic match, even if it was a bad match, the purpose of the match is to set up a match on AEW television, which, you know, this show did a better job of promoting AEW Dynamite than Dynamite did to promote this show, which, again, to me, doesn't make sense because there was uh, reports this week that this show had about 20,000 buys, which was apparently high for Ring of Honor. I don't know. A lot of their buys were not reported. I thought to myself, how many buys would they have had if they were promoted on the show of 1 million people? But instead, they used a show watched by 20,000 people to promote a show watched by 1 million people. Not exactly what I would do, but it seems that Ring of Honor exists entirely to promote uh, AEW, even in, in ways that may not be the most effective. I'm not uh, a huge fan of the Young Bucks, as uh, some people know. But I guess I'm saying it out there. Um, I, I know that they are a lot of people's favorite tag team. And I've had a, enjoyed a lot of the matches that, that they've had. I've seen quite a few in person myself. But uh, I'm not huge fans of them. I was very concerned that uh, this entire match was just a way to set up for them to win the Ring of Honor uh, tag team title. At Di- on Dynamite, but I'm very happy to announce that they did not win and FDR retained. I didn't watch the match. I was actually surprised because I assumed that I would be ranting and raving about them winning, but they did not, and that made me very happy. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like it definitely was part of a big push to, uh, FT- for FTR, and they won that Dynamite match, a very good match. Not as good as this match, but it was an excellent match in its own right, and um, so uh, FTR is uh, they appear to have big plans for FTR in um, the Tony Converse right now. That's good because I love FTR. I will I will watch. You know, I'm not a huge AEW fan, but I will I'll try to watch FTR whenever I can. The next match uh, on the show, which was announced only a day or two before the show, involved. Uh, the Ring of Honor World TV title, Red Titus versus Minoru Suzuki. Red Titus comes in here, is your champion. So Red Titus won the title 
in that four-way we mentioned before that included Joe Hendry, Dalton Castle, who was the previous champion, and Silas Young. And I was one of the people, I don't know if you did this yourself, who chanted, you deserve it at Red Titus when he won the television title. And in a lot of ways he did because of his long tenure in Ring of Honor as someone who, you know, really, really fostered during the pandemic era as part of the foundation. He went from being kind of a silly undercard uh, person for a long time to kind of someone who gained a lot of respect among Ring of Honor fans. And when he came out to a little reaction, I realized that this really wasn't a Ring of Honor crowd. It's a, it's a WrestleMania crowd. It's maybe a Briscoe FTR crowd, but they weren't really there to see Red Titus. His opponent, Minoru Suzuki, someone who I'm a fan of, someone who's a Japanese wrestling legend. Um, but it was very odd to me that the, the commentary focused on the fact that he had not wrestled. He had never won a title in America, which seems really interesting. But as of this recording, Minoru Suzuki had wrestled 44 matches in the United States during his entire illustrious career. 26 of those matches have been since September of 2021. So uh, all in the last uh, eight months. And so this sort of like he's never won a title in, in America is kind of odd because how many wrestlers that don't wrestle full time in America win titles? Most of them don't because of obvious for obvious reasons we don't have to get into his actual first uh, wrestling match in the United States was for the Ring of Honor world title against uh, Cody, or just Cody at the time, uh, Death Before Dishonor 2017. Uh, that was his first U.S. match in like 25 years or something, right? Since 93, yeah. yeah. That was his first match in like 24 years, yeah. Uh, and he wrestled uh, primarily um, on you know, Wrestling Ring of Honor, but he did a lot of a huge indie tour that he's actually ongoing right now. He wrestled several matches at during the... Uh, WrestleMania weekend, and he's actually going to be throughout different places in uh, in April. Not coming to Columbus, unfortunately, but uh, he's going to Cleveland. And um, he lived out his boyhood dream of winning an American title in this match. He uh, pinned Red Titus in five minutes and fifty three seconds with a Gotch style pile driver. Minoru Suzuki is your new Ring of Honor Television Champion. So, yeah, I won't fault them for waiting until the end to promote this because, I mean, who knows? Like, I assume it probably wasn't worked out until very close to the end. Uh, at first, I was pumped for it because I was like, wow, Minoru Suzuki, that's a big get for this new Ring of Honor. And also, like, for a long time, the reports have been like they were just going to kind of abandon the TV title. And... The fact that, you know, they're bringing Red in, doing a TV title match. I was like, oh, that's that's a good sign for, like, the continuity of, between the old and the new. And I still I still feel that way about that part. Uh, but it, the match was a bummer. Uh, like, it was pretty much, a, I don't know, it, was, it wasn't quite a squash, but it was, like, a step above. And, you know, like you said, like, I just felt, even if we didn't know Red, like, for the fans who had stuck around and, and watched his development over the past um, two and a half years or something, like, he deserved better. Like, 
this is another of those times where you felt like, well, if you quit watching in 2019, Rhett was just a joke at that point. I think he was still doing like delusional bodybuilder gimmick. Um, and you'd be like, why is that guy a champ? But he really had blossomed into something much more. And I, I knew immediately like he wasn't going to win. He wasn't going to beat Minoru Suzuki, but it was kind of like when one of your guys, well, like if you watch a WWE match and Brock Lesnar is not facing, is it's Scott Brock Lesnar facing somebody who's not Roman Reigns. You're like, well, I know Brock's going to win. I just hope like somebody gets a good seven or eight minutes before Brock squashes them. And usually you're disappointed there. And I was, uh, I was disappointed here. I didn't think this was like a great Minoru Suzuki match. He definitely, he didn't, feel like he got out of the second gear to me he just he was getting by on like his charisma and like menacing looks more than like doing awesome Minoru Suzuki stuff um and as soon you know as soon as Titus hit like his signature drop kick and Minoru kicked out I was like oh right up the toe tag he's dead and pretty much he was after that uh the what I have like kind of like perplexed like what more than any of the other results like what is what is Minoru Suzuki going to do with the TV title I even though like I knew like there's no way Red Titus is going to win I'm like wh- wh- where is Minoru Suzuki going to be like defending the TV the Ring of Honor TV title I guess like New Japan strong I but I don't even know so- like honest, honestly like I was like maybe they'll have a dark match after the show where where he will like lose it by count out or something and we'll just hear about it and it'll never be seen so the purpose of this match in my opinion i will say is to have minoru suzuki appear on AEW television since he's going to be in america for the next few weeks to lose this match because they like having minoru suzuki appear on AEW television Minoru Suzuki wrestled uh 26 of his 44 matches as i said before september 20 since September 2021, the United States, he's won a vast majority of them, very large majority. He has very few losses, um, but he's wrestled in AEW three times and has lost every time he's appeared in the AEW ring. I would expect that that's the reason why they gave him the belt, so they can give him give someone a victory over him on AEW television. Um, I don't. I don't even know who it would be, honestly. Like. Yeah, it's it's I, I don't know who it would be either. It it doesn't even really matter at this point. I think it's just yeah. the general idea behind again it's sort of like is the general idea of what Ring of Honor's purpose is. Ring of Honor's purpose is to serve AEW. And again, who is it right now? I don't It would have to be like it have to be someone big enough to beat Minoru Suzuki, but not so big that, you know, like well, well, the tippy top guys aren't going to be in Ring of Honor. Like, right, you know, well, if Danielson could beat Minoru Suzuki again, sure. But, like, he's not come. I guess, theoretically, he could come back to Ring of Honor for one match or something. But so uh, it's just a whole it's a very weird situation. I'm Rich Fan, host of The Deep Dive with Rich Fan, a weekly part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup of shows. 
Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or Ernie Ladd? We got you. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small. So if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. What I'm saying is the purpose isn't at this point, whoever it is, is going to be worked out, whatever it is. AEW has a bloated roster. They have a lot of people who aren't doing much and they may figure out they need someone to be in this role. The purpose is really the point of Ring of Honor is to just prop up someone in AEW who needs propping up. Um, who will that be at that time? I don't know, but that's almost immaterial. There are tons of people who could be candidates because there's a lot of there are a lot of people on AEW who don't wrestle as often. So that's that's all I was getting at. This kind of the, the overall theme of the show. All right. Fair enough. The uh, next match um, was a highlight package for the pure title. Was shown. Uh, Josh Woods is your pure champion. He's going up against uh, Wheeler, Utah. The uh, judges on hand were BJ Whitmer, Christopher Daniels and Colt Cabana. If this match ended up in a draw, uh, first thing that uh, I was not a fan of, there wasn't the clock. Uh, there wasn't the rope break graphic that I was used to uh, seeing. Um, Woods controlled most of the match. He got Yuta to use his rope breaks fairly early, but um, it didn't hold up for him in the end. Uh, Yuta was able to roll through a gorilla slam um, and get out of a real gorilla slam, roll up Woods, pin him, in 12 minutes and 47 seconds, uh, Wheeler, Utah is your new Ring of Honor pure champion. Yeah, this was another bit of a bummer. Like, obviously, at this point, the message was clear, like, get the get the titles to the the AEW guys or, you know, under AEW control. Yuta um, is in a, like a cool storyline right now where he's, you know, trying to impress Moxley and Danielson. Um, so I gather, like, I kind of see the point of giving him the pure title, but um, I don't know. I don't know what they'll do with the pure title, honestly. Like, it is a title. The rules are, like, the rules are kind of complex, you know? Like, it's a, it's a, I enjoy pure matches when they're done well, but it's something, like, you have to sit with. And like really like I think it requires a, a special level of like attention that you don't always have to give to a wrestling match. And I'm not sure they'll want to devote time to that in the future. And I just I don't know. Like I think I can see like its angle purposes for Will You the story in AEW. Again, for helping AEW, it's not really you know, is propping up an AEW storyline like you like you said earlier. Um, but I don't know like the actual like pure division, like what they'll do with it. And I was kinda of, I mean I was bummed for Woods. I've been a Woods fan for a while and 
probably naively. Like, I know he's been on Dark matches and even got a win on Dark a couple weeks ago. So I was like, well, maybe of all of them, he could keep the title. Like, you know. But it was not to be. Yeah, I thought he might win too. But um, that was not the case, as you said. Um, After this match, uh, Wheeler Utah was announced as being All Elite which he earned from winning a Ring of Honor title. Uh, He first appeared in AEW in June 2021 and uh, does not have a singles victory in AEW, televised, as well as he didn't have a a singles victory in Ring of Honor. He wrestled in the Pure Tournament, lost in the first round to Jonathan Gresham, your eventual winner. Uh, He also lost the Pure Gauntlet, even though he was the last person to come out. So, again, if you want do you remember he lost to Fred Yehi? Oh, okay. Um, So if you watch Ring of Honor, you haven't seen Wheeler, Utah as a person of prominence in the pure division. And again, he hadn't appeared in the pure division since uh, since March of 2021. And if you watch uh, AEW, he's someone who is in the best friends and is usually the person that loses uh, the matches. (laughs) them when they have multi-person matches he's probably gonna be the best friends for much longer right and now he's with um potentially with um with you with uh moxley and regal and danielson and but again it's to me it's kind of weird it's like this guy wrestled in he's wrestled in aw since june nearly a year but him winning a ring of honor title makes them all elite it kind of it doesn't make sense. It also sort of tells you it's one thing if it's like, oh, he went over to Ring of Honor and he's going to be the pure champion. But in reality, they're actually telling you that what he cares about the most is being in AEW. Right. So what does that, uh, that, that? We'll see that again in the next match, actually. Yeah. And then uh, before we got to the next match, uh, Ian and Caprice went over the AEW Dynamite highlight pack or a package to highlight the matches for AEW Dynamite, which, of course, um, they're highlighting the shows for a uh, show watched by 1 million people on a show watched by 20,000 people. But this you is had your... to pay extra to watch, by the way. That is true. Uh, this is the uh, main event. There was a video in the main event uh, hearing almost entirely from Jonathan Gresham and none from Bandito, which should have put a sign there for everyone. Um, so Jonathan Gresham versus Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Gresham versus Bandito. Uh, Chavo Guerrero is in the corner of Bandito. Uh, one of my favorite moments was when Guerrero discouraged Bandito from giving the code of honor and Bandito did it anyway. Yeah. The crowd uh, chants for Eddie Guerrero after uh, Bandito does a tribute to him. And I thought this was a pretty good match. It was my second favorite match on the show. Um, they started kind of doing uh, wrestling and then got into some more uh, moves going going forward. Uh, Chavo Guerrero was cheating more and more. He pulled Bandito out of the way of a dive. He threw the belt at Gresham. In what may be professional wrestling history, and, I, and maybe you can recall this happening before, but someone kicked out their manager or ask the referee to kick their manager out of their own match. I, I do not recall that happening ever which, before. Which is why I asked the question of why was he there if you were so willing to get him kicked out? Well, and, that's, I mean, if we can talk about it, like, I don't, 
yeah, I didn't understand from a storyline purpose. Like Chavo all but said, I'm going to cheat on your behalf. And then like Bandito was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize he was going to cheat. Uh, and then from like. The bigger picture, like I what's the purpose of this, like Bandito, as far as we know, is not coming back. There's no like we don't. Chavo was on like somewhat shaky ground with Tony Khan, apparently. So, like, what is pointless, like, mini storyline, you know, that sprung, was sprung up and blown off in a day? Yeah, again, it didn't really make sense. I mean, Bandito, I looked at this match as Bandito wrestled as, like, last night in the territory. And yeah. the fact that Gresham kicked out of all his moves, Bandito went for the 21-plex. And he had matches before where he went to the 21-plex and some may have reversed it or not get hit with it but in this match he hit the super kick he hit a fosbury flop dive he hit the x knee he hit the 21 plex but gresham kicked out bandito hit a series of super kicks but gresham was able to recover hit a springboard moonsault a dive on the outside he went back in the ring trapped bandito's arms and pinned him in 24 minutes and 43 seconds jonathan gresham is your undisputed ring of honor world champion I was a little disappointed in this match. I I would like to watch it again. I think it was I think it was hurt because of having to follow um the Briscoe's match. Like like you said that was like the real main event and I think I was tired from it and I think a lot of the crowd was tired from it so it took a while it seemed like the crowd was distracted early and I felt myself being distracted early. And sometimes match placement affects how I view a a match. I know, like, I think if I could watch it in a vacuum, I would like to watch it in a vacuum to see how my opinion of it might change. But I, I felt like they had trouble clicking early. Um, And this is, you know, a bit of a styles clash, like, you know, Gresham's like, the ultimate technical wrestler and bandito is more of a flyer slash strongman. Like, so they're not really in each other's wheelhouse all that much. Um, and it took a while. Like it was a very long, wasn't it like half an hour? It was 24, 43. Oh, is that all? Okay. Well, nevertheless, it felt, I felt like it took about halfway through to get it going when bandito did like that corkscrew, Plancha. That was when they finally started to get the crowd over, and he did this. He did a cool spot, you know, which I had seen once already, but he did it here too, where he, uh, the 60 second suplex. He holds a guy up and gets the crowd to count to 60. Both guys started looking tired around that point too. Like he had a little trouble keeping Gresham up for the whole 60 seconds, and then Gresham was struggling to put Bandito in the octopus, not in like a storyline fighting to get the guy in but like just couldn't get his leg over uh bandito's head so i don't know like i think it it was it turned into a very good match um and maybe my expectations of it were a little too high um but but yeah like you said it definitely had like a very vibe of like this is the end for bandito he you know gresham kicked out of all of his moves uh, there's no no controversy to bring it back. You know, this is it. Gresham is definitely the undisputed champion at this point. So after the match, 
Gresham gives a uh, promo, starting cutting promo, and uh, Jay Lethal comes out to uh, interrupt him. I should note that Bandito uh, gave Gresham his belt and they shook hands. Uh, Gresham says it's his life goal to stay at Ring of Honor. Jay, Grish- Jay Lethal interrupts him to say that he should be the first person to challenge the Ring of Honor World Championship. And uh, Gresham says his current actions showed him that Lethal has changed. Lethal says no one would know who Gresham was if it wasn't for him. And they start to fight. Sanjay Dutt comes out again, he, but he t- hits Gresham. Lee Moriarty runs out to make the save, gets hit with a lethal injection. So again, Lee Moriarty was made to look like an idiot. And out comes uh, Samoa Joe. Uh, who uh, was uh, Jay Lethal was Samoa Joe's protege in Ring of Honor way back when, but 15 by more than 15 years ago. Yes. Uh, but, uh, Lethal references that on Dynamite tonight, in fact. Uh, then we'll get to that in a minute. Joe, Joe goes face to face with Lethal. Lethal leaves the ring, leaving Sanjay Dutt to get choked out. Uh, they both leave, and Gresham, Joe, and Moriarty celebrate to celebrate in the ring to end the show. Uh, Samoa Joe, by the way, appears at Ring of Honor main event, Supercard of Honor, to become All Elite. So Samoa Joe is in uh, All Elite Wrestling via Ring of Honor. Yes. Um. So yeah, what you said, like Joe, it was weird. Like Joe shows up at the, honor, at the Ring of Honor show, and now he, now he's all elite. Um, um, I mean, it was a good angle to in the show in some regards, but I realized like Gresham is not all elite. I, you know, it seemed like obvious, but I don't like tonight's. Um, Lethal did an interview talking about how Joe was his mentor and he called him for advice over the past four months and Joe wouldn't pick up the phone, but apparently he'll pick up the phone for, you know, a rich man. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's segue into this feud with Joe versus Lethal and Dutt. And I mean, there's a lot of talk that Gresham's going to sign with AEW, but uh, I don't he hasn't yet. So I don't I assume he will since he got the title I, that that's a sign to me like. They assume they are going to pick him up sooner rather than later. Um, like, it's not a bad angle to end the show, but, you know, it's... I guess it, it feeds into more like, what is the future going to be? You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed. The Wade Keller Processing Podcast, Wade Keller Processing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. Yeah, and that's kind of the question we have uh, leaving at the end of the show. And I think this is probably a good time for us to give our overall thoughts of the show. I, I probably sound fairly negative um about the uh booking of the show i was about the booking of the show the work perspective i thought it was it was a really good show obviously the ftr briscoe's match is a classic you should go out of your way to see i also really enjoyed the uh bandito gresham match and moriarty versus lethal and then you know swerve versus uh zane was also good uh even though again some of the moves were a bit 
it much that you have two matches on the show that are basically squash matches. Uh, Ninja Mac versus Brian Cage and Red Tyus versus Minoru Suzuki. And again, um, it's WrestleMania weekend. We, t- we talk, uh, in VIP about our experience. We will, we will talk in, in VIP. I'm going to edit that part out. It is WrestleMania weekend and WrestleMania weekend is full of standalone wrestling shows that are very good. Uh, there's some others that uh, we will be talking about in VIP and we'll be talking about for the culture for GCW next week. So having a standalone wrestling show that's very good is not unheard of. However, having a show for a promotion that's supposedly supposed to be on the up and up or supposed to be leading to something, you have to have something where you have a direction. And it's too much of the show was focused on what's going to happen on Dynamite on Wednesday. There was no announcement about future Ring of Honor shows. There is Ring of Honor shows are still airing on Sinclair as of this weekend. Um, so the future of Ring of Honor to me is uncertain. And really, the future Ring of Honor to me appears to be based on how much you like or don't like AEW. So those are my thoughts there on the show. Justin, what are yours? Uh, yeah, like a purely from a wrestling standpoint, there were it was it was a good show. There were four good to great matches. A lot of you know long wrestling, good wrestling with storytelling, you know, wrestling with flashy moves. So. I mean, there's a lot to offer from this show. Uh, in some ways, like I keep saying, it felt like a, a, rest, a Ring of Honor show for someone who quit watching when AEW was formed and maybe had a passing knowledge of the champ, but some guys reverted back to like their 2019 personas. Um, people who had been pushed only after 2019 were definitely downplayed on the show particularly Rhett Titus, um, it did not give a clear answer of, like, what is the future of Ring of Honor. And, you know, I it's it's possible the owner doesn't know yet, yet either. And not in a bad – I don't mean that in a way to slam him. I just mean, like, I don't, I don't believe they will be on Sinclair for much longer – um, I don't think Honor Club will be a thing for much longer. I think they're going to have to start very fresh. So I think in that regard, some of the show is just like sort of a stopgap measure, like I said, to get get the titles in, under AEW control, you know, tie up a couple loose ends, you know, mostly the title unification match and also just Ring of Honor had promised the show. So they had to put a show on uh, and where it like it is so so many questions about where do we go from here like you know yeah they got they got most of the titles under AEW control but not the world title so like what do you do what's gonna like you said like Minoru Suzuki is probably not gonna hold the TV title very long or are they really gonna try to have a pure division with its you know with its complicated rules that are not not casual fan friendly frankly um it it let there's a lot of ball it left a lot of balls in the air um and i think you're right like the the what ring of honor has been for the past couple years i don't think it will be that way anymore um how much of it is going to be just like this feeder system for AEW? it doesn't feel like it's going to be its own 
separate entity and in some ways it'd be weird if it was um but 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 if it's not like why is it even existing so i don't know it's just it's a very confusing show and a very confusing time yeah i think this is a very historic time period for ring of honor i mean ring of honor has always had people leave and that's obviously something that we've discussed on previous shows but it wasn't a whole hope of people. It wasn't 75% of the roster. And, and it appears that a lot of the people who uh, were synonymous with Ring of Honor most recently were not, are not contemplating the new Ring of Honor. I mean, obviously, there, there are so many people. I'll, I'll rattle off a few. I mean, obviously, you have a lot in the women's division, like, uh, you know, Trisha Dora. And uh, obviously, Roxy went to WWE. But, um, you know, Allison Kay and Marty Bell and Chelsea Green and Mandalion and Angela Love, you know, Maxine Paler. And also, obviously, how much time and, and how much attention and how much, um, you know, really great parts of the shows were uh, Shane Taylor Promotions, OGK, The Righteous, LFI, uh, The Bouncer, Silas Young, so many others I, I haven't even mentioned, but were all really big parts of Ring of Honor and all acts that I enjoyed that weren't contemplated here um, seemed seemingly replaced by people in AEW who were either not pushed or who want to be redirected. I kind of looked at Ring of Honor as the AEW overflow division. Yeah. For me, that's hard because whatever you think of Ring of Honor, whether it was good or, or not, uh, Ring of Honor always exists in its own entity to do the best that it could, whatever that meant. Uh, this Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor going forward, is not going to be that. Ring of Honor is going to be, um, you know, and it may become an AEW uh, subsidiary, basically. But also, you know, I really don't gather why the show was not promoted more on Dynamite, and then people talk about how many buys it has, which is good, but it's all word of mouth. Uh, to me, I don't see a future for Ring of Honor as what it was. I think Ring of Honor, the you know, I said this before, and I'll repeat it, uh, Ring of Honor's popularity will be based entirely around what people feel about AEW. A lot of people like AEW, they like Tony Khan's booking, and extending that to Ring of Honor with the Ring of Honor name might be something that people enjoy. Um, People who were used to Ring of Honor a different way uh, may not like that as much because Ring of Honor is not a separate entity. It's not really following in the footsteps of what it was. But maybe that's the only way Ring of Honor can survive is being a, a sort of an affiliate of AEW. I don't know. I just think it that just, it may be just a promotional tool for some kind of you know streaming service too. Like we have the here's a here's Ring of Honor's titles we have and you know watch these videos to see why they're important but for me you know i see that and i i just don't see that really having that bright of a future because you know that that can only uh that can only go 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 so far as well as the fact that you know as we mentioned before you know we went to we went to uh final battle and it was announced that super card of honor would take place on april 1st and people didn't believe it would happen and they thought the, cl the company would shut down and here there's been no indication there's been no uh acknowledgement there's been no announcement of any kind of future ring of honor show no tv show nothing and 
there's some who think Ring of Honor has a bright future. Perhaps it does. But for that to be the case, there has to be more information. And, and Ring of Honor can't just feel like the uh, AEW overflow wrestling promotion. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't, I mean, I think that's all of you're saying is true. I just think that Sinclair is probably getting out of the Ring of Honor business altogether. Like, they, you know, they're not going to air it, so... There's no idea what TV is going to be right now. Like, I honestly, my prediction is it's going to at least start as a strictly um, YouTube program when it comes back. And probably that won't be until the fall. I, we could see, I mean, AEW could probably open the door, but I don't know why a TV company would want a different promotion, you know, even if they're like, well, AEW is a success, they wouldn't want something with a different name that's like starting from scratch, if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure what the TV uh, situation will be. It's, it's, it's weird because Ring of Honor did announce uh, on the previous management they were going to do TV tapings in, in April. Obviously that's not going to take place. Um, as I said on previous shows, and I'll repeat here, Ring of Honor's big issue is that the, the wrestling landscape of change is of what Ring of Honor did best in its heyday, even before it became a televised wrestling product, or its house shows. And we are in an era now where television wrestling companies don't really do house shows, with the exception of the WWE. So Ring of Honor really endured without television being their main focal point or television being most people's favorite aspect of Ring of Honor, whether because the matches were shorter, whether because it was delayed from the product going on um, at shows. So how can Ring of Honor be envisioned in a way that the TV is more successful than it ever has been? That I don't know, as well as how many people are going to watch this incarnation of Ring of Honor um, with it not being is kind of a, an attempt to be a promote a top promotion, just being sort of a secondary to AEW. There are a lot of unanswered questions. And again, uh, I do want to reiterate that I did enjoy the show. I thought it was a good uh, show bell to bell um, from an in-ring work perspective. Just again, the booking and the promotion left a lot to be desired. And the future is uh, uncertain. So um, for us and our podcast, that means we are... Uh, going to hold off and see what happens there and, and maybe make some decisions down the road, but we're going to continue to discuss uh, independent wrestling shows. And uh, next week we will be doing uh, for the culture uh, GCW show, which took place on the uh, took place on April 1st on the afternoon, a few hours before Supercard of honor. We'll be talking about that next week, giving that a full review. And this week on VIP, we're going to be talking about, two matches that involved uh, Ring of Honor talent, our former Ring of Honor talent, that took place at the uh, Mark Hitchcock WrestleCon Super Show. And that would be Bandito versus Speedball Mike Bailey and a six-man tag match under Lucha Rules between Ray Harus, Laredo Kid, and Michael Oku taking on Josh Alexander, Black Tarus, and Ace Austin. Before we go to VIP to talk about those two matches, Justin, do you have any thoughts or any plugs? Sure. Um, as always, you can follow me at jmcclelland1 
on Twitter, J-M-C-C-L-E-L-L-A-N-D-1. And uh, feel free to drop us a line at torchhonorspeak at gmail.com. That's torchhonorspeak at gmail.com. I'm at Mind of Maitland. You will not find an anti-Young Bucks tweet because I didn't have to write it. Thank you, Tony Khan. Should be a pro-FTR tweet coming then. It should be. I was more worried the other way, but maybe I'll I'll write a a pro-FTR tweet. Your sanity Uh, was saved. Yes, which is important because, you know, I have a newborn. I don't sleep much. I try to be as sane as possible. So we are going to uh, move uh, Daily Cast right now. We're going to say goodbye and move on to VIP, where we're going to discuss those matches from the uh, Wrestle WrestleCon's uh, Super Show. But if you want to hear Justin and I discuss those two matches, you're going to have to become a VIP member. And to become one, check out membership info at pwtorch.com slash govip, where the Daily Casts are presented with ads and plugs removed, plus VIP-exclusive content, 30-plus years of newsletter archives, 15-plus years of podcast archives, including early Ring of Honor event reviews, and hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s, plus daily VIP-exclusive podcasts, a new weekly newsletter, and an ad-free web browsing experience. Again, that's pwtorch.com slash govip. I should mention, by the way, um, that you can find my report on this show in a shorter form, written form, on pwtorch.com. And... Uh, we will be back next week with uh, For the Culture. But for Justin McCullen, I'm Chris Maitland. Thank you, AMR, and thank you, all our Daily Cast listeners. And now it is time for VIP. And we're here on VIP. Justin? Welcome, all you non-cheap skates. It's been a long week. And part of that non a long week was if you were a non-cheapskate, you probably ponied up for some additional shows besides uh, WrestleMania or uh, Supercard of Honor, uh, like I did. And we're going to talk today about a couple matches from one of those shows, the WrestleCon Mark Hitchcock Memorial Show, say that five times fast, that took place on uh, Thursday, April 31st. Do you first of all, do you know who Mark, Hitch, Mark Hitchcock is? Uh, I really don't. I have to say, do you? Yeah, I actually do. He uh, was an artist and wrestling fan who assisted in DVD production for High Spots. Oh, OK, cool. Not that he required a memorial show, obviously, but it's a nice idea that they gave him a, a memorial show. Yes, well, he, it became so this show that was originally called. The WrestleCon Super Show began in 2014, and it has been called the Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show since 2018. Uh, The main event of that show was the Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Okota Bushi, defeating Chuck Taylor and Flip Gordon. A a quasi-friend, like a best acquaintance. Yes. And they did not have the event in Didn't 2020. Didn't we go to WrestleCon Memor- like a WrestleCon Super Show in 2013? Uh, I believe so. Headlined by uh, Jushin Liger and uh, Johnny, uh, insert name here, Morrison. Yes. Say. Morrison. We did, actually. We did go to the first one. That's not listed here. Hmm. So that completely... Uh, that completely, that completely threw me off. While we're talking about this match, perhaps I can 
look that up and we can maybe refer to that show we went to back in back in New Jersey in uh 2013 but this year we're not going to talk about the entire show um but it was available on Fight TV as a lot of wrestling matches are I guess before we get to just the show in particular I know we talked about this before but let's kind of talk about the experience of going to WrestleMania weekend and they're having so there being so much wrestling and being able to keep up with it. How how have you you've done this a couple of years as of I I can tell you about the year that I did it the best and I'll, I'll go after you. But how can you tell to the listeners the experience of actually going to a lot of these shows? I mean, it can be overwhelming at first. It's awesome. And it's always awesome. I mean, just because, you know, you're like these are my you're, you're with your people. Like, yeah, there's no inside reference you can make that's too inside. There will always be a joke you can make. Uh, there's always just a shared community and knowledge that's really fun that, you know, as a wrestling fan, you can't, you know, talk about Minoru Suzuki too many, too many times at work without uh, getting a lot of blank looks or just straight out escorted from the building. So... I mean, that part is great. It, but like I said, it can be overwhelming. Obviously, it, it takes a lot of planning. I, we, we've, You and I have tried it a couple different ways. Like the first, we went to Dallas in 2016 and, and it was more spread out, which in some ways is better because you, we got, I think, more, we saw more different people and more shows. Uh, but, you know, the, you have to really factor in the logistics. We also went to or the Orlando weekend and we stuck with at the time was sort of the uh, the, the WWN, the, the wrestling network that, that did evolve and progress. So it was all in one building and it was a lot of the same people. And I saw a lot of good matches, uh, but it was sort of like it was burned out. I was I was definitely burned out by the end of it. Like, it's just. I remember I saw Keith Lee like I, three three matches at least and you know that, that's a lot that's a lot to see of any wrestler in like a real short period of time. So that that's my experience. What what was your experience? Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net, along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Yeah, I think we had just too much scheduled. I think in in 2017, I remember this definitively because it, you know, you see the photos every year from Wally Mania where we, you know, you and I, because we were four of us traveling together, uh, we were at Wally Mania and having a pretty good time, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But we, but we had tickets for Joey Janelle's Spring Break, which started at like 11:59. So we were at Wally Mania. They did like a podcast. We were like mingling a little bit, and then it was like, oh, we got to go. Where if we hadn't scheduled all these events together, we could have stayed for longer. But you since you know that that, that I didn't, I enjoyed the spring break show, but you, know, you as you said, we end up seeing kind of the same people over and over again. 
I think that, which is funny, I, I always joke that the show that I enjoyed the most was 2019, because in 2019, I only went to one show. I went to the Ring of Honor, New Japan, uh, G1 Supercard that we spent a lot of time talking about and did a, a long look episode on. And now that was in New York, which for me was uh, special because I was able to go back and see a lot of my friends and family that um, I don't see normally since I moved to Columbus. But I really enjoyed the one show that I went to and I didn't oversaturate myself. I already said that if I go to another one of these and probably one year I will, I'm not going to go to that many shows or I'm going to go to one show a day. Or, you know, if I go to two to one day, the two I want to go to, I'm not going to go to any any of the next day. I'm just going to relax and do something else because you do um, drive yourself pretty ragged. I do want to just interject before we get to this year's WrestleCon show is that we went to the uh, Pro Wrestling Syndicate Supercard. Oh, OK. Which included on the second match, by the way, uh, Big Van Vader Wrestling. Wow, who did he wrestle? I have no memory of that. He wrestled uh, AC Gamble. Oh, oh, I can't. He just squashed him, right? I mean, yes, yes. He was uh, like the commissioner or something, I think, of the show. Yes, yes. Okay, so it was a, it was kind of a forerunner to to uh, the WrestleCon Super Shows. Yeah, and it was fun, and uh, we got. I, I remember got the st- Rock and Roll Express were there, and I was like, well, those guys are clearly, you know, they got to be right at the end, you know. Yeah. And they were on the Mark Hitchcock Memorial Show. Not in a match we're going to review, but they were there. Yes, they were there in a special uh, bring your partner 10-man tag that took place um, where the teams were uh, Atushi, Anita, Cole Cabana, Juice Robinson, and the Rock and Roll Express. And they wrestled Barry Horowitz. Dango, Jimmy Wang Yang, Enzo, and Team Captain PCO. So that sounds like a crazy match. One I'm going to try to watch at some point this weekend. But there are two matches that we want to dis- discuss on VIP today. They are matches that involve uh, former Ring of Honor talent. And uh, one of the matches actually won. So they had a prize on the show for the best match to win, would win an additional $5,000 for the competitors. Right. And the fans in attendance would vote after would vote. The, after the show. And so I think we should talk about that match second, even though that match opened the show. Okay. So the other match that we we're going to talk about was Laredo Kid, Michael Oku, and Ray Horus against Ace Austin Black, Taurus, and Josh Alexander. So you have Horus versus Taurus. Ray Horus is one of my favorite wrestlers of the last two years of uh, Ring of Honor, definitely an unsung hero, uh, tying together the uh, Mexa squad breakup as well as being Bandito's uh, tag partner, even though they tagged a little bit too much for my liking. I think I felt that he did a lot of good work uh, gluing the team together. The uh, Laredo kid is someone who I've seen here and there. He's had some rest matches in AEW, some in Impact. I think he signed a contract with Impact, but he doesn't. I know he has AAA commitments as well, so he doesn't wrestle on every show. And the other team, uh, no, Michael Oku, I forgot about him, just had a match that received rave reviews against uh, Will Ospreay, Rev- Revolution Pro. And um, the other team was a team full of all uh, Impact wrestlers. Black uh, Tarus, who I think is very talented, doesn't always get to show his talent and impact, but 
someone that I've been very impressed with when I've seen him work in member of decay. Uh, Ace Austin is someone who is really young, just signed a contract extension with impact, but is really good uh, in the ring. And then of course, Josh Alexander, who will be wrestling for the impact title against Moose at impact's next pay-per-view retribution. And uh, is actually replaced Jonathan Gresham, who was originally supposed to be in this match. Um, I will throw to you now, Justin, to uh, I mean, this match is, was was very entertaining. It was a lucha style. It had so when someone rolled out of the ring, you ended up you could just you could come into the ring at any time. The uh, match was won by Laredo Kid, Michael Oku and Ray Harus. After all three of them did different variations of splashes on Black Tarus, pinning him in 13 minutes and seven seconds. Yeah, this match was just nonstop action, just go, go, go. I sort of was curious how Alexander would fit in against the other five guys who are all kind of flyers, but he did great. He was sort of worked as like the big, strong, mean guy a lot, but and his moves were so smooth, like just right off the bat, I think he kicked uh, uh, Michael Oku right in the face, and it just looked it looked flawless, and also seemed to murder Oku, so. I was just impressed. Oku was just a bump machine, like this whole match. Uh, and then later, he actually got the advantage and put all three guys in a half crab at once, or as the commentator Veda Scott noted, it was one and a half crabs. And Kerry Silkin was also there. He called it the Alaskan King Crab. Uh, or Ray, the first time I watched this match, I didn't, I didn't really think of Harus as the focal point, but like I watched it again, and he really did a lot of awesome things. Uh, like Taurus, Tarus, who who moves exceptionally well for a big guy, like he flies around a lot. He did like like a pop up move into like was going to be a power bomb or spine buster, and Harus came down with a cool like DDT counter. I thought that was awesome. Alexander, who again, like I wasn't sure he would do, he stacked Harus and Laredo Kid on his shoulders, but they were facing opposite ways. So essentially, Harus pal drove Laredo Kid even as he was being given a Death Valley driver. They did a bunch of like dive spots where guys were, you know, obviously building their dives and getting more and more intricate and flippy as they went. Um, and then, you know, the awesome finish with a bunch of poison ranas and dives. I thought this match was I thought this match was just great. Um, it would have been a tough call which which to vote for, although I think ultimately the right match won the five thousand dollars, but is I love this this style when it's done so well. Just go, go, go. It's really I mean, it just pulls me in. And so I can't say enough good things about this match. I, I did. I should point out by the way that the poison ron on the outside kept someone out for a few seconds as opposed to uh the match we saw on supercar of honor yeah i think this was a great action by all competitors i mean they're all um you know five of them i've I've seen quite a bit uh you know oku i've heard about and the lucha style kind of allows for it to be quick hitting where people can come in and out someone can sense danger instead of having to go to the ring the corner of the ring to tag, they can just roll out. And you could also see on the corner that the, the teammates were ready for when someone rolled out to uh, to run in. The commentators wondered if, especially the uh, 
non Mexican wrestlers would be ready for that. But, you know, wrestlers like Austin and Alexander were ready. Alexander did a lot of great power moves, so he fit in as well. Um, and um, I'm glad to see that he's getting his sort of uh, flowers for uh, his work in the ring. I've been very impressed with him since I've been watching him the last couple of years. So it's good that he's getting uh, these opportunities. But the uh, match that won the opening, it was the opening match was the match that won the match of the night award and the additional $5,000. And that was Bandito versus Speedball Mike Bailey. Mike Bailey, I believe, wrestled nine or ten matches Holy during the uh, WrestleMania weekend. I don't know. Uh, I can't what match this was in order. Now, this was on the Thursday, so I, I assume it was one of the first ones. I assume and so. I mean, I think he was at Bloodsport, right? He did Bloodsport. He did New Japan. He did Impact. He did Unsanctioned Pro. He did a, he did, he did was quite Bloodsport a, on Friday? Now I can't even remember. I think Bloodsport was on Friday. I don't remember. I don't, remember I don't know. So I'm not sure what, or this was obviously still very early for him and Bandito. Yeah. And this match was, what I liked about this match was not only was it full of great moves, but there was also like physicality to it. Yeah. At Sometimes some of these matches that have a lot of moves, you don't see the, you don't see the physicality. It's just more kind of like a ballet routine. Right. But um, this match was one that was able to do both. Uh, just throwing in there that Mike Bailey, uh, Bloodsport was the same day. Okay. As the rest of was on uh, the 31st, which was Thursday. He. Not his first match of the weekend or even the first match of the day. No. Which is kind of incredible to think about what he did. Yeah, because he didn't look he didn't look tired. He didn't look uh, he didn't look um, he didn't look tired. He didn't look uh, winded. And he was able to keep up with Bandito. Bandito, no, I've watched Bandito wrestle live quite a few times as a big Ring of Honor fan, and he is such an impressive wrestler because his his strength um, along with his agility are really unparalleled. Now, a lot of the moves he did in this match were, were similar to the moves he did in the uh, match with Jonathan Gresham, including the 60-second uh, stalling suplex. But he did it better here, I thought. Yeah. He did do it better here because he counted along. Right. Um, and, like, I don't he was know. struggling to keep Gresham up, or Gresham was struggling to stay up by the end. Whereas here, yeah. I mean, they made it the whole 60. Yeah, which, you know, just seeing it, it just seemed so, so uh, difficult to uh, pull off. But, yeah, there were so many uh, spectacular moves. They brawled outside. Um, it actually was the first match. I, well, I watched this after. I watched Ring of Honor Supercard. But this was the first match that I could – or one of the few matches I could recall that he lost – or someone kicked out of the um, – 21 plex yeah because in ring of honor when he hit the 21 plex that was pretty much it even if he wasn't going to win someone would have to grab the ropes there was no way you could get out of it but mike bailey was able to kick out of the first one not the second one he followed it with up with uh 
he he did the uh, knee, jumping knees into Mike Bailey's back. He hit him with the 21 plex again, and then he did the very, uh, I guess, made famous from G1 Super Card of Honor, which he did with uh, did this to uh, Dragon Lee and Taji Shimori, the fallaway moonsault slam. But he did this to Mike Bailey, Bandito did, and he was your winner in 16 minutes and 21 seconds. Yeah, I love this match. This was this was my favorite match of the whole WrestleMania weekend. I mean, I think Briscoe's FTR, you could say technically was a better match, but no match made me happier. I thought like this match just was a joyous celebration of dudes doing awesome stuff. Uh, I I thought it was great. I can't say enough good things about it, even more so than the first match that we talked about. Um, like you said, I like we went over the the sixty second spot, um, which was really cool. Uh, they did another crazy dive battle where each guy was hit a dive, and then the other guy would one up that guy four times in a row. So they're doing like real Fosbury flops and course screwed flips. Um, at one point, Bandito challenged Bailey to fight on the apron, and the crowd even actually started chanting "apron." And this is funny because, like, like, you expect something like sort of a vicious slam or something, but they actually were just striking each other on the apron, which is the same as striking someone anywhere, striking anywhere else. You know, the apron doesn't really play into that all that much. Uh, eventually, Bailey did do a moonsault double knee, which I guess definitely would hurt, but also would hurt no matter where you take it. Um, Bailey also did a move I hadn't seen called the Flamingo Driver, which is kind of like the one-winged angel from Kenny Omega, but the guy is just sitting, the guy's not doing like electric chair where his legs are wrapped around the back of your head. He's just sitting on one shoulder. And honestly, it looks cooler than the one-winged angel. Like that's an awesome finisher in my opinion. And I thought you didn't really do the, the knees to the back justice from Bandito because Bandito it looked like he was going to do the 21 plex, but he actually jumped onto Bailey's back and then did a perfect uh, like flip to do the to and landed with knees first, which I thought also incredible. I thought, I mean, just incredible effort from both guys. I thought they looked outstanding. I would tell anyone to go out and watch this match. I mean, I know there were a lot of great matches this weekend. I there's a lot I haven't seen. I would like to like. Joey Janela versus Sean Waltman springs to mind, but of I watched I watched four shows over the weekend, one a day, which is a pretty good don't get like too overwhelmed kind of effort. And of those shows, like I said, this is this was far and away my favorite. Yeah, it's definitely an enjoyable match. I I for me I'd have to put the FTR versus Briscoe's ahead of it just a little bit, but I can't quibble with someone that would say this was better because it was yeah, a different. I regret match. saying far and away, like it was like FTR Briscoe's was also great, but this was my, my favorite by a hair, I suppose. A, a lot of it is just a different way to look at it. Cause I mean, the thing with, thing with me, that's always going to give another match, uh, a, a leg up over, over one match is the fact that there's a little bit of a feud behind it. Now, as we talked about on the show, on the main show, they didn't really, um, book it on TV as much as that you would hope, but there was at least with uh, back and forth between the teams on the, 
on the internet, on Twitter and social media, there's at least a little bit of a background to it where this match obviously didn't have that. So I always will defer to the match with the storyline as, as more of a preference. But again, the athleticism uh, in this match was incredible. And also the seriousness, because again, sometimes you do, people are just do moves to do moves because they're cool. This more had a feel to it that I'm going to do cool moves, but this is also a fight and want to make sure that we stress that as well. Uh, I don't know what the future of Bandito is. Uh, Mike Bailey wrestles on impact. He'll actually be appearing at their next pay-per-view in a three-way match against uh, Ace Austin and Trey Miguel for the exhibition title. Bandito, uh, the rumor has been that his work visa, which was through Ring of Honor, has now expired, uh, being no longer contact contracted to Ring of Honor. And um, he has a few more indie dates coming in April, but there's a possibility you may not see him uh, in the U.S. for a little bit of time. I really don't know how, you know, he is not signed to another wrestling company in the United States. Um, no, it's crazy. Maybe he, uh, I, I assume he would want to be, but like, yeah, he's, because I guess what makes him such an impressive wrestler from the first we've seen him is that he's not just your run of the mill uh, luchador. He's, right. he has power moves. He does a lot of things. So hopefully, we, hopefully uh, we can see more of him in the future. Um, Even the luchador aspect of him, I think is like, more impressive than many luchadors you know like who else is doing the 21 flex which is sort of like a lucha move with power the move i voted for uh for move of the year from ring of honor that did not win but uh, i got my vote so you're welcome bandito yeah keep doing it bandito on that note we are going to uh get going uh on this week's vip uh we'll be back next week to talk about for the culture and, and anything else that uh, springs to mind so uh for justin mckellen this is chris maitland saying uh, goodbye to our vip listeners good night everybody Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com.
a lot of you listen to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows who haven't watched the TV show we're talking about. A good way to catch up on what happened on the TV show is with my VIP-exclusive Wade Keller hotlines that follow Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. In fact, as soon as I wrap up recording the post shows with live callers and my co-hosts and our on-site correspondents, I send that off to the producer, and then I record the Wade Keller hotline, running down Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown start to finish. And it's not only a full rundown, a thorough rundown of what happened on the TV show, but also my analysis of the key segments and matches throughout the show, including opinions that I don't express on the post show. So as a VIP member, you can listen to that hotline first, which runs 20 to 40 minutes, and then jump into the post show with full knowledge of what happened on the TV show. That's just one benefit of being a VIP member. Another benefit is when you listen to the post show, the ads and plugs will be removed. So change up the way that you listen to our coverage of Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown by starting with a VIP Wade Keller hotline and then flowing into the Wade Keller post shows throughout the week. Go VIP pwtorch.com slash go vip pwtorch.com slash go vip rates start at nine dollars and 99 cents a month or get a full year for just 99 dollars. you can also get the weight killer hotline through our patreon tier that's just six dollars and 99 cents a month details on that are at patreon.com slash pwtorch vip